0: On today's show, how the New Orleans Pelicans have turned things around after some concerning comments from their star, Zion Williamson, why the Boston Celtics' starting five is the best in the entire NBA, Mark Cuban sort of selling the Dallas Mavericks, NBA in-season tournament predictions, storylines, and so much more. It's all coming up right here at Locked on NBA. You are Locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Now, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins and all you have to do is wager $5. Just visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on NBA your first listen each and every day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for being an everydayer. Thank you for making Locked on NBA part of your day every single day. Joining us now is the host of Locked on Pelicans, Jake Madison. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked on Pelicans. And we'll get some breakdown on the New Orleans Pelicans chances here in the in-season tournament with the corner final stage right around the corner a little bit later on this evening. But first, Jake, let's get kind of a breakdown on where the Pelicans are at so far this season. So they had a you know a hot start right out of the gate, 4-1. and one. They go on that five-game losing streak, and then you get kind of the... The concerning commentary from Zion Williamson at the podium, his thoughts on, you know, trying to, quote unquote, buy into what the Pelicans are trying to do. And since that moment, the Pels have actually gone seven and four with some really dominant wins. And the, the losses have been incredibly close in that span. So just kind of what's changed for the Pelicans since that moment, you know, in the season?
1: Yeah. The, it, you know, it can be as simple as they figured some things out. I think, you know, shortly after that, they had a team meeting to kind of get everyone on the same page. Those can go one of two ways. This one clearly went a very good way. The other part of it was you're seeing Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson simply played better basketball. They weren't playing their best to start the year. I didn't think they looked like their usual selves. And as they've kind of gotten more into basketball form, basketball shape, you've seen them just elevate their level of play. And if your two stars are playing better, Your team's going to be better, right? We don't need to overthink this too much when it comes to stuff like that. And now they're finally starting to get healthy too. You know what? ended that five-game losing streak was getting Herb Jones back from injury. He put Luka Doncic in like a vice grip that whole night that in a dominant win over the Dallas Mavericks and what Nick Angstad of On Mavs told me might have been the worst performance of Luka's career. So getting Herb back, their defensive stopper was big. They're starting to get healthy now too. You get CJ McCollum back from the punctured slash collapsed lung. You also get Trey Murphy who just made his season debut the other night. This is a guy that's going to be important to their three-point shooting. Same with CJ. So they're starting to just get the back. They're starting to get healthy. And I think you're going to start seeing them play their best basketball because of it.
0: Over that stretch, they would have, if you were to, you know, tabulate the stats, and whatever, from when that streak started, uh, from the the comments from Zion Williamson, if you will, uh, they've been the NBA's ninth best defense, or I apologize, their ninth best offense and sixth best defense in the NBA since that stretch. I, I, one of the things, the, the addition or getting Trey Murphy back, I think he's such a big piece, right, for this Pelicans team, a team that does, you know, lack for a little bit of shooting at certain spots on the floor. How important is it to get him back in the lineup for this Pelicans team to be the
1: best version of themselves? It's huge. It's huge. You know, this is a guy that I think we would have looked at now. He's not going to be in the running for this anymore. Most improved player of the year. Like he was set to take a very big leap forward. He's a 6'10 sharp shooter from three. He went four of 10 in his debut. It looked like he didn't miss a beat from being out for the first two months of the regular season. And for a team that needs that three point shooting, Zion doesn't take threes, right? Brandon Ingram's not a big three point shooter either. You know, Three-point shooting was an emphasis going into the season. They took 30 attempts per game last year. That was second worst. They needed to up that number. But when Trey has been out, when CJ's been out too, that's a big deal with that as well. They've been under 33s per game. So getting those two guys back that could add legitimately 12 to 18 three-point attempts per game if they get the shot attempts, I think is going to be big for spacing the court for Zion Williamson to letting him be the best version of himself for allowing Brandon Ingram to be the mid-range assassin that he is. So getting all of their pieces back, the three-point shooters in particular, you know, you now, along with rookie Jordan Hawkins, can run three or four shooters around Zion Williamson for maybe the first time in his career. I'm really curious to see what some of those lineups will look like with playing four out around Zion. So I'm excited about what this team might be able to do i'm so
0: glad you brought up jordan hawkins because i wanted to ask you get your thoughts about him because he's been really solid i remember seeing him you know play in person here in houston during the the pelicans only in season tournament loss i might add uh just you know rub it in a little bit i'll i'll take my victory lap where i can okay jay it
1: still counts man (laughs) you know get him where you can get him here
0: look but he looked really good in that game and almost by right kind of by necessity with the the you know amount of injuries the pelicans were dealing with right hawkins was kind of thrust in there even starting some games for this Pelican teams? Are you surprised at all at kind of the immediate impact and kind of trust that the coaching staff has
1: given him here early on as a rookie? Yes and no. You know, on draft night, on our network, I called him the best fit of the lottery. They needed more shooting. They needed a movement shooter too a guy that can relocate, catch, turn his body, square up, shoot and make the three. They simply just needed that. And you figured that if he could earn that trust that you just mentioned to the coaching staff, he would have a role and you're seeing them use him with Zion Williams. And even the other night in the loss that they just had against the Chicago Bulls, they were running Zion Williams and Jordan Hawkins pick and roll, which sounds like a real fun thing that I want to see more of with this team. So for For a guy with that kind of confidence who won a national championship in college to come in and hit some of the shots that he does to be as fearless as he did, that seemed right. The fact that he was going to have a role and probably be able to thrive in it definitely seemed like what he would be able to do. What's impressed me the most is all the other things that he's done. He's more than just a shooter. He's actually a very good rebounder for his size. He gets up and can score at the rim a little bit, too. You know, he's been at times an okay defender recently, not been a good defender. That's what's going to hold him back more than anything this year. But the three point shooting, I expected knowing the injuries that this team has, he was going to get minutes. The fact that he's done as well as he has has surprised me a little bit, but all those other things, the rebounding, some of the defense that's impressed me the most. And I didn't see that aspect being part of his game coming into the NBA.
0: We've also got the NBA's in-season tournament here. We're now out of the group stage of competition and we are into the quarterfinals here first with the Pelicans set to take on the Sacramento Kings. Jake, what should fans be on the lookout for in this game specifically between these two teams?
1: Yeah, you know, Matt George of On Kings and myself, we just did a crossover for this, so please go listen to that because we've got both sides covered with it all, but you know, it's going to come down to De'Aaron Fox, right? Can he beat the New Orleans Pelicans that he has historically had very good games against them, but recently in their Past two matchups, Herb Jones managed to limit him. If there's if Herb Jones is a very good defensive game and limits Darren Fox, the Pelicans could easily win this one. And on the flip side of it is do they have an answer for Zion Williamson? Because Zion really started to get going in these two games against the Sacramento Kings. The Pelicans finally kind of figuring out the best ways to use him offensively. I wonder if they're even going to try and stop Zion Williamson. Or are they going to try and more slow down Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum? Let Zion get his. Dare him to score 60 points to try and elevate the 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 Pelicans to a victory no matter what this is going to be fun I think I think you're going to see some offense in this one and it might be like a race to 135 to see who gets to that number first and wins I can't wait this is going to be a lot of fun you got big name players you got role players that are going to need to step up it's just got the makings of like a great basketball game I think so
0: so it sounds like are you are you bought into the hype around the in-season tournament I've been been bought bought in from
1: oh yeah I've been bought (laughs) in from the get-go The second they announce this on NBA with John Corrales on Wednesdays, we've talked about it a lot. I love this, man. I don't even think it's for the fans in particular. You're just getting teams not load managing dudes on a Tuesday night in November. That works enough for me to get players playing, and they all seem to be motivated by it. They want to win that extra money. Tyrese Halliburton came out and was like, I want to win it because I haven't won anything in the NBA. And now you have a Kings Pelicans game where one of these two small market teams is going to go into the quarterfinals or sorry, the semifinals, get that exposure and go up against the Lakers or the Suns. And it gives you that David versus Goliath story that we're all going to love. So, oh, yeah, been bought in. I love the courts. I love everything about this. I've been bought into.
0: It's 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 it adds a little you. extra pizzazz, some excitement to the regular season. It, I will say it was a bit of a bummer that the Mavericks' like in-season tournament court wasn't working. The the glitches with it, whatever the, the I don't know if it was slippery or it just wasn't whatever the issues something, were. Right? Yeah, something going on there in Dallas. But I, you know what? I won't make you spoil. I, I'm 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 guessing you and Matt had some predictions over there with your crossover episode. I won't make you spoil your predictions. Everybody, be sure to go check out that that episode for a full breakdown of Kings versus Pelicans. But I will get your thoughts on the other side of the Western. Bracket Lakers versus Suns. Lakers still without Gabe Vincent. Suns still no big three. Bradley Beal still out. We yet to see the big three play. Give us a prediction for that matchup on the other side of the bracket.
1: Oh, that one's tough, right? You get LeBron versus Kevin Durant in an elimination game, which I think is so cool to me. That's why I love this stuff, right? The stakes yeah. are just slightly higher and it's great. I, I'm look, I'm a Pelicans guy. I don't believe in Anthony Davis here. Give me <laughs> the Suns in this one. I think they're going to kick me off locked on Pelicans if I were to go with the Lakers or something like that. But it's Kevin Durant. You know, Devin Booker is a killer in these kind of moments, right? He's got a couple of game winners, even in the playoffs where that are just cool moments. Give me another like Devin Booker walk off ridiculous shot and then ridiculous pose or something after that.
0: I think that would be uh you know give me a good game as, a, as an unbiased third party give me an uh give me a good game and i'll be happy no matter what but it's really hard for me to bet against lebron james especially in like this one-off like elimination yeah, type environment and it's, look it's the first in-season tournament ever you know lebron's gonna show up for this in a big way add add more to his already stacked legacy so i'm gonna take the lakers in this one but It's going to be a ton of fun watching the in-season tournament go down. And also for the Pelicans, right? What is the Pelicans ceiling now that this team is fully healthy, knock on wood? And how will they ultimately navigate the in-season tournament? Will they be headed to the semifinals in Vegas? You'll have us covered for all of that and so much more over at Locked on Pelicans. Jake, thanks for stopping by Locked on NBA with me.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me on, Jackson. Coming
0: up, why are the Boston Celtics starting five so dominant this season, despite actually regressing in some areas from last NBA season? We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical look, I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but let's just talk for a minute about preparing for real life. Because according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade, which is honestly pretty scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if someone I loved or a dear friend got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from getting the life-saving medications that they needed. Thankfully, We're going to be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among other things. This stuff could happen to any one of us. Visit JaceMedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to JaceMedical.com. Medical.com and use code locked on to get $20 off your order. Again, that's Jacemedical.com. Use code locked on to get $20 off of your order. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Monday, some exciting news is Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Celtics, John Corrales. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcast or on YouTube. Just search Locked On Celtics. And John, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA's in-season tournament here with the Celtics set to face the Indiana Pacers. But first, I want to you know ca- kind of catch up a little bit here with our audience about where the Celtics team is at because they've been honestly pretty dominant I know there were some questions about how this Celtics starting five unit would look about the decision to kind of bring Al Horford off the bench rather than keep him in that starting five the whole Al Horford versus Derek White debate all of that and and so far I think it is it is it a stretch to say the Celtics have been the most dominant set of starters in the
2: NBA when they play together because the numbers kind of back that up when they when the starting unit is whole and you can bring Horford off the bench uh, that, that unit has been really, really, really good. Um, and, you know, you, you you start to see, and especially recently, guys coming around like Jalen Brown has started to really kind of s- get his full playmaking uh, capabilities, you know, put those on display. Uh, he's developed this chemistry with Kristaps Porzingis that's just been kind of amazing actually. And it's kind of unlocked something for both those guys to the point where I'm like, never sit one of those guys without like, those guys have to be on the floor for like like, anchor, ever, ever, basically like just their minutes should be exactly the same from now on. (laughs) Uh, That's how good it's been. And you know, Tatum he's been sick recently and he's kind of like dropped a little bit efficiently, but he's Jason Tatum. Uh, Derek white is so good. Drew holiday is such a good defender. Uh, and, and so the, the, the best thing I can say about the Celtics is that starting unit has been dominant overall. They have the best net rating in the NBA and I can easily point to probably like four or five things where I could say, these guys still need to get better at these things. And if they do, they'll, they'll get even better. So, uh, I think, I think this has been a great start to the season, obviously, uh, and that starting unit has has done really well even as they're trying to figure each other out a
0: plus 27 so the starting lineup for the Celtics so so Drew Holiday um uh Derek White Jalen Brown Jason Tatum and Christoph Porzingis. a plus 27 net rating in 191 minutes play together that is obscene levels of dominance when you look at how good those five guys have been when they're on the floor against any other five like they're they're dominating when they're out on the court maybe this might be one of the four or five things you could point to john here but one of the things that kind of stood out to me when i was looking into some of the numbers for the celtics team they've actually dropped off a little bit efficiency wise offensively Mm -hmm. from being number two in the nba last season they're down to number nine through the early going of this season is there anything that stands out in particular offensively as to why they've maybe
2: regressed a little bit on that side i think some of it's their shooting the shooting has not been where it needs to be they're they're it, the shooting is so off that their free throw percentage is like weirdly down. Uh, I, I, I think that it's yeah, it's just kind of weird. Um, I, I think that, and we've seen like, like I said, Porzingis has been out, uh, Derek white missed a couple of games cause he, you know, he just had a new baby. Uh, uh, Tatum has been sick. Uh, and, and they've had, they've had a, a pretty kind of intense schedule, over the past, you know, the, like over, over November, like lots of road games. They had a, a weird stretch where they had one home game mixed into like six road games. So it was almost like another stop on the road trip. So I, I, I think there's like some just fatigue that was built into this. They had a, a couple of weeks with three games and four nights. And so I, I think as things level out, as the Celtics get like these couple of days off here and there, the efficiency, the offensive efficiency will bounce back a bit. And, and, you know, once Porzingis gets back, that'll help a lot too. Well, r- right around the corner, hopefully a game for, for Celtics fans where they don't
0: play down to the level of their competition, potentially here with the... Quarterfinals of the NBA in season tournament, they're set to take on the Indiana Pacers, and they will be without Christoph Porzingis, who is out with the calf injury. And then the Pacers might be missing Tyrese Halliburton and Obi Toppin, who are both listed as questionable for this game, which I know Adam Silver can't be happy about in the first ever iteration of the in season tournament. You've got a bunch of important key players on both sides missing that, possibly missing this game.
2: Yeah, I know. That would be tough. uh, Porzingis, I think Porzingis is going to be fine. Like he might be back for Vegas if they make it. So he'll be okay. Man, it's gonna suck if Tyrese Halliburton misses. This is such yeah. like a big thing. He's been playing so incredibly well. It's been sensational, man. I mean, just unbelievable. And that Pacers' offense is unbelievable. For it, if they in the first in-season quarterfinal game, they can't put their best foot forward, and you know that th- that could be a showcase game for Halliburton. Obviously, I think the Celtics could still win, but you know, you, you gotta have to hold the Pacers to like a good defensive game against the Pacers is holding them to 120. So you like, you're going to have to really work hard. Uh, but it would be a shame if Tyrese doesn't get that kind of spotlight. Cause he has deserved every second in the spotlight that he's gotten. Um, it would be a shame. And the last time the Celtics played the Pacers and Halliburton didn't play, it was like a 50 point blowout that like nothing went right for Indiana. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be a motivating factor. For them against the Celtics. But if there's no if there's no Halliburton, if there's no will be topping, that that I think the Celtics can can Pull that game out. They should pull that game out, regardless of Porzingis or no Porzingis.
0: And it's it's a cool opportunity, right? The NBA in season, like I'm bought into it. it sounds It looks fun. That we're yeah. past the knockout stage. Now we're to where it's th- starting. Things are starting to ramp up. We're you know right away from from Vegas starting December seventh when we get the Vegas games and we'll have all the you know the the hubbub going around with that. And it's a cool opportunity for like a small market team like the Pacers to like take that step forward and and put yeah. Tyrese Halliburton on a bigger stage and be like, hey, like look, people recognize what he's doing here. Let's take briefly we'll go over the other side of the bracket really quick here john uh the bucks and the knicks on the other side of the eastern conference bracket give me a prediction for how you think that game ends up
2: you know that that's always a tough one and i i i still think the bucks are kind of figuring themselves out to a degree that i think that's going to be like a a real tough tough match. obviously you look at the Bucs and say, well, yeah, Giannis and Damon and, and all of that, like, they they should win that game, but I don't know, man. I think the Knicks, this is something important, I think, for teams like New York, uh, Orlando, Indy, like, these other teams that that want to kind of show something to some degree, be like, hey, everybody, look at us. We're legit here. This is, winning, winning this tournament might not mean, like, it's not like they're winning a championship. No one's going to hang a banner for it, but it does send a little bit of a message, like, "Hey, by the way, we are winning this tournament here. Uh, we want to let you guys know we're for real." So, I think th- I'm going to go with the Knicks. I think the Knicks are going to. Uh, I think they can beat the Bucks. I think. I, I think Celtics. I think it's going to be Celtics Knicks playing for that that Eastern Conference semifinal. I think that and and that that'll be fun. Okay, I, I like the Knicks here, too.
0: I think that, you know, for, for all the reasons you listen, it just kind of feels like they've got, uh, with the Bucs side of thing. I think they're still trying to figure things out, right? Dame and Giannis are still trying to work on their chemistry. They haven't quite gotten everything figured out just yet. So it's going to be a fun, it should be a fun sled of ga- slate of games. Here's hoping that Tyrese Halliburton can play so that we have the most exciting game possible, even if it doesn't necessarily mean, uh, doesn't necessarily bode the well, uh, do- bode best for the Celtics if Tyrese Halliburton is out there on the court. But can the Celtics starters continue to dominate? Dominate the NBA landscape this season. How far will the Celtics find themselves in the first ever, the inaugural NBA in season tournament y'all have us covered for all that and more over at locked on Celtics. John, thanks for stopping by locked On NBA with me. You got it, man. Anytime coming up, Mark Cuban selling the Dallas Mavericks sort of, and the Mavericks hitting a recent rough patch over these last handful of games, including not being able to close out the OKC thunder after a 30 point Comeback. So we're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the offers stay hot on FanDuel because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. Right now, we can take a look at the Moneyline betting options for the first ever NBA in-season tournament. We can take a look at the Boston Celtics, who are currently minus 200 favorites on the road against the Indiana Pacers. And then the Sacramento Kings, minus 178 favorites at home against the New Orleans Pelicans. And then elsewhere for the Tuesday night bracket, we've got the Milwaukee Bucks, minus 200 favorites against the New York Knicks. And then the L.A. Lakers, minus 130 favorites against the Phoenix Suns, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and company. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So be sure to go check out FanDuel.com/slash locked on to get started this season. FanDuel, official partners of the NFL. And final segment here at Locked on NBA A Monday. Be sure to stay tuned in throughout the week here at Locked on NBA for all the news, reporting, and analysis from our rotating panel of hosts, including Matt Moore and David Ramil on Tuesdays, John Corrales and Jake Madison on Wednesdays, Nick Anksat and Pat the Designer on Thursdays, and then Adam Mares and Wes Goldberg on Fridays. Joining us now is the host of Locked on Mavericks, Nick Angstad. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcast and on YouTube. Just search Locked on Mavericks. And Nick, you and I were both in the building at American Airlines Center the afternoon that the news dropped that Mark Cuban would be selling the Dallas Mavericks to Miriam Adelson, uh, the Las Vegas Sands casino company for an amount roughly around three and a half billion dollars. That's a lot of cheddar cheese there, but that he would also be retaining control of basketball operations. This might be a first as far as like NBA, you know, ownership, selling, you know, majority stakeholder stuff, all all that. So just give me your reaction first to the news and then we'll get into kind of what it means for the Mavericks moving forward.
3: Yeah, the reaction was, OK, wait, what's happening? Hold on. I thought this would never happen. And then once you found out the details, and like, all got ironed out and now we're, you know, a week or so removed from it, you realize, OK, it, it kind of does make some sense and I still don't really understand how, why the family had to come in and then buy the Mavericks for them to open this casino. But the plan seems like long-term is for the Mavericks and Las Vegas Sands to open a joint casino resort, Mavericks arena, new whole thing in Dallas, in in DFW, I guess, but probably in Dallas to have a, a new Mavericks arena, new facility, all that kind of stuff attached to casino resort and all that. And so eventually this is gonna lead down that, but where it affects the Mavericks is yeah, Mark Cuban's still gonna have control of basketball operations, but the Adelson the Adelson family will be the owners and be the owners outright. But Mark Cuban still does have shares; like he's still a part owner. All the other minority owners are gonna sell, and it. it's just gonna be these two, like like these two power families. I guess if you want to just put those two right there. Uh, and they're not, he's not selling the entire Mavericks, right? He's just selling the majority stake in it, and so they'll have the majority stake. He'll have a minority stake, but he'll still have the hands on the controls. And as I was thinking about this. We've had owners that like own the team, but then other people like they send a proxy or they send somebody to the governor's meetings or something like that. Like We've had owners like that in the past, I'm pretty sure, for the NBA. So it's kind of it's going to kind of be like that. We're a minority owner, you know, like a like a Jay-Z for the Nets. Like he has he has more say in some things than uh, than, the, the, you know, Joe Sire, whoever the owner of Mikhail Prokhorov or whoever the owner of the Nets was at the time. Like there's there's it's going to be a situation like that, except for that it's Mark Cuban and he did actually own the team outright and all that.
0: And it was just just weird because I feel like Mark Cuban kind of came in, took over the Mavericks and kind of changed a little bit about what it meant to be an owner of a sports organization, right? He was so bought in and so engaged and so active. You know, he wasn't just a figurehead for the Mavericks, right? He really embodied and still to this day does, which is why the sale came as kind of a shock because until we got all the details out there, it was like, what? Mark Cuban was like, he was so intent on never selling the Mavericks. We would have never thought we would have heard this this sentence ever uttered. Well, it was more confusing because he even a month or two months before the sale
3: he was even saying no i would never sell and somebody would ask him what what if it was two billion three billion four billion he said what would i do with two billion dollars well now we're about to find out because he is getting two billion dollars <laughs> from this sale the valuation of the mavericks comes in at 3.5 billion which doesn't seem big enough it seems like the, there's that was a, a leverage play in there a little bit uh, imagine leveraging like half of half a billion dollars or a billion dollars in some kind of play like imagine that but it, it, that, that seems like where we are now with this. And now, uh, yeah, going forward, there's a ton of questions that like just can't be answered until we see certain situations. Because what if they hit the second apron? What if they want to spend? What if they got to re-sign Derek Lively to the max later in his career and they'll go over the second apron, right? Like, what if something like that happens? Does this ownership group want to spend? Will they be able to, you know, we saw Joe Lacob look at, an amount of money for the Warriors and go, you know what? I don't know. And they traded Jordan Poole. Like, you know, we've, we've seen owners like this in the past block at some of these uh, machinations that the NBA and the players association and the whole CBA have uh, have put into the new CBA to try and like avoid large spending. And so, I don't know, we'll see what happens going forward. We'll see if any changes get made to the Mavericks business side. Cause that Mark Cuban's now out of that. And so we'll see what happens. Sint Marshall has been leading that side and, you know, for all intents and purposes, doing a great job at it and has a a great Q rating. Everybody seems to love Sint. But we'll see what happens going forward. I mean, just, there's just a ton of questions.
0: All right. Well, we'll we'll save those questions for a little bit later on. Let's get to some of the basketball here for the Mavericks, though. They had a nine and three start to the season, just two and five though over these last seven games, including a I, I don't know if you want to say it like a, a miraculous loss against the Thunder. It was. The, it was the, a
3: miraculous loss. All right. Fine. Maybe the best way to was.
0: describe it: a thirty point comeback. They go on a 30-0 to zero run to come back and and take a lead and get ahead in this game. And they somehow still managed to, to to choke that one away. Walk us through what happened there at the end of the game or just some of the comeback and, and why the Mavericks still lost that game. Yeah, this was a game
3: where Kyrie was out, Tim Hardaway Jr. was out, Josh Green was out, Dante Exum was out, Maxi Klebo was still out. That's like essentially a whole bench unit and Kyrie, right? Like that's, that's a huge part. That's like half of your rotation. It's out. And the Thunder were fully healthy. And so you come into this game and you go, all right, Luca's coming back from, you know, his fiance just had a baby. And so it's his first game back. Usually a guy gets a boost after after that. Players play well after after that. But still, who knows what kind of condition he's in, shape he's in as far as how much sleep he's gotten. Like who, who knows? And so this is one of those games where from the very beginning, it seemed like, all right, well, the Mavericks don't have it. The Thunder were shooting like 60%, 50% from three. After the third quarter, they were shooting 51% from three. They hit 18 threes in the first three quarters. The Mavericks had only hit 30%. And so it just seemed like one of those games where Jason Cade was going to try a bunch of young guys. He played a couple of the two-way players in the first quarter. You know, he played them early, played everybody up and down the bench. And so it was just going to be one of those games where, ah, you know, kind of a schedule loss. Second night of a back-to-back for the Mavericks, too kyrie is out half of the rotation is out most of the scoring is out besides luca and so it wasn't it wasn't in the cards luca then to start that fourth quarter the mavericks run a couple of plays where luca is he guards chet in the post chet is trying to try trying to post him up and that like fired luca up like it was almost as if you remember the the larry bird like i can't believe you have a white guy on me it was like it was like Luca was like, I can't believe this this rookie, this, this like skinny rookie who I probably weigh a hundred more pounds than is trying to post me up right here. And Luca wraps around and smacks the ball right out of him. I knew I knew it. I was all the way across the arena where I was sitting from it. And I just knew as soon as Chet tried to post him up, like tried to size Luca up, he was getting the ball. AJ Lawson, one of the Mavericks two-way guys, been in the NBA for I think this is his third year, runs the ball down, like out hustles everybody, gets the ball, passes it back to Luca. He he hits a three. That was like a nine-o run at that point. And Luca just gets so fired up. he's like, let's go. Go on. He's like screaming at the crowd, screaming at everybody. The thunder take a timeout. And then this is when it changed a lot. The thunder started doubling on Luca. And we've seen it work in a couple of ways. You have to be so disciplined and you have to be so on your P's and Q's if you're gonna double Luca because he's gonna find the right guy. And the Mavericks hadn't hit a ton of their threes, but in this instance, they double Luca, he hits Seth Curry, he hits a three, they double Luca. Derek Lively was the, the release valve. He, he goes in the middle of the, of the court right at the free throw line. Luca gets the ball to him. And Lively, we haven't seen this from him at all this season, but three times in this run, Lively gets the ball at the free throw line, and either Chet is out of the game or Chet was guarding Luca, and so he's, he's doubling Luca. They've got no size at the rim. And so Lively just turns, takes one dribble, and dunks it, or turns, takes one dribble, and gets the ball in the hoop. He was amazing. Derrick Lively was absolutely amazing. Like, Luca's going to get a ton of the credit for this run. He should. He had 18 assists. He was absolutely incredible in this. But Derrick Lively just made it happen both on the defensive end and on the offensive end. The Mavericks hit hit a bunch of threes. And then at the end, the Mavericks just ran out of gas. I mean, Luca played the entire second half. Lively played the most minutes he's played in the NBA. He played, what, almost almost 40 minutes. He played so much in this game. And they really ran out of gas second night of a back-to-back the thunder were thunder had some rest and were coming in and uh the last two minutes they just didn't score and luca got a weird travel call that he had some some comments about later on where he said that that call doesn't get called the whole rest of the game but you call it on me in the last two minutes a couple of bad turnovers and then that kind of sealed it for him it was it was really depressing right at the end but then you look back at the comeback and you go you know what there's some really good stuff in there the stuff that you're going to take away hopefully this wakes up the All right, Luka and Lively are like a real force. And going forward, this is what the Mavericks can really build their team around.
0: How will Mark Cuban selling the team ultimately impact the Mavericks down the line, if at all, with him retaining control of basketball operations? And how much more can the duo of Luka Doncic and Derek Lively grow and get better as the season moves along? You'll have us covered for all that and more over at Locked on Mavs. Nick, thanks for stopping by Locked on NBA with me. That's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast or on YouTube. Just search Locked On NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And while you're there on YouTube, be sure to go subscribe to Locked On Sports Today. Here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA the biggest stories with the local experts.